What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Should Mike Hazen and Toy Lovello get let go if this collapse continues? The offense needs to wake up and discuss in playoff tiebreakers and so much more on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 from my personal account, or just look up Locked on Diamondbacks on both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks a force listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube. So please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. Now, for this podcast, the D-backs currently have a day off at the time of us recording this podcast. I didn't do a little series recap after that Dodge series because I was playing a little hockey that night, so I didn't really get a chance to uh, talk about that Dodger series. I really don't want to talk about it. We're going to just do a kind of overall discussion later in this podcast about the state of the D-backs because, of course, they are disgusting. They are playing bad, and that's just kind of the scene that I want to set right now, the backdrop for segment number one here because I want to discuss if this second half collapse continues should Toy Lovello and Mike Hazen be let go after this season because of course Toy Lovello got that one-year contract extension um before the season started or during the season and I'm not even sure what Mike Hazen's contract is um right now off the top of my head uh Hazen syncs up Lovello's contract with his own through 2024 so both of these two guys are tied right now and with their uh, contracts together and so I do want to ask the question because this D-backs team, at the All-Star break, tied with the Dodgers for the best record in the NOS. They were tied for first place at the All-Star break. Now they are one of the worst teams. They, they literally have the worst record in Major League Baseball post-trade, de- not post-trade deadline, post-All-Star break. Post-trade deadline, they have like one win. They haven't won a game yet in the month of August. And so I want to know if this continues, this collapse, this free-for-all in the standings, should Mike Hazen and Toy Lovello even come back for next season? And my answer to that question is yes. But I think next year is a major one-year prove yourself, though. This is not a, oh, you guys had a nice season last year. This is a three-year period. You went from 50 wins to 70 wins to 80 wins. Now it's 90 wins. And you just got to be a wildcard team and just be fun next year and just sneak in. No, the D-backs have to be good next year. I don't know if they need to be World Series good, but they have to be a consistently good team throughout the regular season. It's a major make-or-break season next year for this leadership between Tori Lovello and Mike Hazen. And I basically compare it to what the Orioles and Padres have gone through the last couple of years because... If you remember the Padres in 2021, they were really good the first half of the season. 
one of the better teams in Major League Baseball, one of the better teams in the National League, riding high at the All-Star break, just like us. And then what happened in the second half of the season? Absolutely had a major collapse and ended up missing the playoffs. And it seems like the D-backs are going to do what the 2021 San Diego Padres did. And I'm sorry, I mean, like, I've given so much crap to Javier Reyes, over the course of this season um, because the D-backs were riding so high for most of it and the Padres were not. And now we get to face off against the San Diego Padres and the Padres have a chance to just knock the D-backs down all the way to fourth place in the NOS. Uh, Absolutely disgusting. And I don't want to think about this scenario because I'm going to absolutely cry, but that is definitely in the cards to happen for uh, the D-backs here. But I'm looking at it right now. The San Diego Padres at the halfway point uh, in 2021 were like 14 games, 15 games above 500. Then they finished the year just four games above 500 and out on the playoffs. So the D-backs are on a similar trajectory. But then you look at the Padres in 2022. They had that second half collapse. But how did they respond in 2022? They won, what, like 88 games last year. But they did make it all the way to the NLCS and came with came pretty close to making it to a World Series. They won 89 games last year and made it all the way to the NLCS. What a real chance to make it to the World Series. And 89 games, 89 wins, I should say. Like, that's not a dominant season, but the Padres were just in the mix the whole year, a good NL team, and they got to the postseason and had a NLCS run. That's the kind of season I need the D-backs to have. 89, 90, 91 wins where you're one of the better teams in the playoff mix the whole year, and then you do like a little NLCS run. I would love that for the D-backs. Or be like the Baltimore Orioles, right? Because the Orioles last season were a really feisty team when we got to the All-Star break. And we were like, you know what? The Orioles should go out there and make some moves at the trade deadline. Try to improve. Instead, they kind of did the opposite thing and traded away some players. But how did they respond after having a, a season where they probably played above expectations but still fell flat at the end and didn't really pursue the playoffs how did they respond in 2023 this current season by being one of the best teams in major league baseball by leading the al east after the tampa bay race started like what like 21 and 2 baltimore now has a three game lead on tampa bay so the d-backs i think can learn a lot from what we've seen with baltimore and the san diego padres last couple years because i feel like Those are the best comparisons. We've seen the Padres first half be incredible, then second half collapse, but then respond the very next season with the NLCS run. Baltimore, I think it's kind of the NL version of the D-backs. Super young team, wants the young team to flourish, and you want to grow with that, want to grow within before you really start build pieces and signing major pieces and players around the core or nucleus that you have. Um, But Baltimore is already starting to pop even before they add those external pieces. The D-backs need to get to a place where they're hopping with those internal pieces before they get to the external pieces so if the d-backs are just next year's baltimore we'll see what baltimore does in the playoffs but baltimore's gone throughout this entire season and been one of the best teams in the american league d-backs need to be next year's baltimore in the national league for this to be uh, a successful season for the Mike Hazens and Toy Lavellos. And when we get to the offseason, Mike Hazen has to address the weaknesses in the bullpen, in the rotation. We need more depth behind a Merrill Kelly and a Zach Allen. You can't just rely on three rookies in your rotation. You can't just rely on a Zach Davies, who's never been that good of a rotation guy throughout his career, except for his first season with Arizona. I do contend he was solid that year, but he's been really bad this season. D-backs need 
more reliable bullpen arms. I mean, we say it every offseason. Get somebody that could close down the ninth inning. Hopefully, Paul Seawall can do that. Hopefully, he could put a nice showcase on for us for the rest of the year. But ninth inning needs to be figured out. What are you going to do on the left side of the infield? Do you really trust Geraldo Perdomo going forward as your shortstop everyday player of the future? What do you do with third base? Can you upgrade that? What do you do with your outfield? Because you still got, are you going to let Lord Goriel walk in free agency? Carroll's a lock. But then what do you do with the Thomas McCarthy? You did clean up a Dominic Canzo and moved him. Still got Fletcher. I mean, I'm not even thinking about Drew Jones because he's always hurt, but a little bit of a logjam still in the outfield for Mike Hayes, and he has to go out there and have a really, really good offseason to make myself feel better when he comes back next season. Torrey Lavello, I mean, I don't think he's ever... I don't think he's ever going to make me feel good about his lineups and his bullpen configuration. So I don't really think there's much that Toilet Velo can do to make me feel good. I just feel like the D-backs need to win games because when the D-backs win games, it makes Toilet Velo look good. And when the D-backs lose games, Toilet Velo gets exposed, um, I think. And I think it's hard to expose a manager's flaws when your team keeps winning games. I think a lot of times your manager's flaws don't get exposed until you make it to the postseason when you already have a really good team on paper that your GM built. So Toy Lovello, I'm not a big fan of his. He's a nice guy. It seems to be a little bit of a, a, of a, a player's manager, but I don't think he's a great tacticianer or executioner when it comes to the X's and O's of a baseball game. So it's a big test next season for this leadership group for the D-back from their GM all the way to their managerial position. If the D-backs don't make the playoffs next season, like if the D-backs just, let's say it's another season where they're in the 80s, right? Let's say the D-backs win 85 wins this year or 82 wins this year and then get to like 84 wins next year. Mildly improved, but you still miss out on the playoffs. I don't care. I think you have to clean house. It feels like the D-backs are never are, are just stuck in purgatory with the Mike Hayes and the Tori Lovellos. It feels like they could put a competitive product on the field, even at times a winning product. But can they sustain the winning? That's the issue that I have. I don't think they can build a sustainable uh, product. That's my biggest issue with leadership. So if they don't make the playoffs next year, and if they don't at least have a convincing regular season with at least a nice little bit of a postseason run, yeah, I think this could be the final year. I guess next season could be the final year that we see a Mike Hazen and a Tori Lovello running this D-backs operation. Now I want to talk about how this D-backs offense needs to wake up if this team ever has a chance on getting back on track for the postseason. But before we get there, I first want to talk to you guys about this little app I use called Sleeper because Sleeper is great if you want to win some money because all you have to do is pick a player like a Court McCarroll and a Shohei Otani. You could pick them to hit a home run. You could pick whatever stats you want. And if they hit on those stats, you can win up to 100 times payout yes sleeper is giving out big money this season because it's a fantasy sports plus real money gaming app focused on bringing people together through sports and gaming sleeper has become the fastest organically growing fancy platform in the world with over 5 million active users the reason i love sleeper is because when the dynasty football season rolls around i use sleeper basically every day it archives your teams from year to year great for the rookie draft as well absolutely love the app so Use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today.
don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. All right, let's get back into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Let's discuss this D-backs offense needing to wake up because this D-backs offense was the strength of this team the first half of the season. The rotation was fine. Gallon was phenomenal. Merrill Kelly was phenomenal. And it was like, okay, if just one of your three starters after those two could just be good in that, you know, turn through the rotation, you felt fine. You're like, Gallon and Keller are probably going to have quality starts. And then if just one of those three has a quality start through each rotation, you feel good with three out of your five starters giving you a quality start. And then your bullpen also pitched to a four-year rate in the first half. So everything was kind of solid. But the offense was the thing that was exceptional. The D-backs had one of the best offenses in baseball at one point. And actually, if you remember, the D-backs were the last team in Major League Baseball to actually be shut out. Like, that was their calling card. Even if they don't have a great offensive night, you weren't going to shut out the D-backs. You weren't going to keep them off the bases. You weren't going to keep them off the scoreboard. They were going to wreak havoc and at least make you think that they were going to come back in the ball game because the D-backs in the first half of the season were the answer backs. Making comebacks for the D-backs was Absolutely nothing and no problem. Down 4-2, to two, entering the 8th inning. Best believe the D-backs were going to turn around and win that game. But you couldn't have said that post-All-Star break because the D-backs have struggled so much since since uh, mid-June. And they have just been one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball. And, of course, the pitching, rotation, bullpen hasn't been very good. But if you look at like the D-backs like, last like 10 games or whatever... Like, the rotation, like, really, during this losing streak, like, the rotation has been pretty good. I mean, the bullpen has been pretty hit or miss, but overall, the pitching hasn't been terrible at times. Like, you look at a lot of these games, it's like D-backs are losing, like, 4 nothing or 4-2, to two, or maybe they get shut out like they got in that series finale to the Dodgers, 2 nothing. Like, there's a lot of games where, like, if the D-back just put up their season average in runs, where it's, like, five runs a game. And if they just did that in half the game, just put up five runs, the D-backs would have had wins in like half their games uh, in the month of August. So it's really disappointing to see because this D-backs offense was just so nasty in the first half of the season, if you can remember. They were at one point like a, a top three offense and average run scored. They're still one of the best teams in stolen bases. Like this team was basically doing everything from an offensive standpoint. Extra bases taken, run scoring percentage when players were on the bases, like they were coming home, like everything you would want your offense to do. The D-backs were doing it. And then now it just seems a lot tougher for the D-backs to get any sort of offense going. And one of the issue is they are struggling to get runners in scoring position, and they're also struggling to bring those runners home, right? In that series finale, I think we saw second and third, nobody out, and then we got like a strikeout and two outs after that. Like, that's been the story for this D-backs team post-All-Star break. They have not been able to capitalize on their opportunities, and they've also struggled to make opportunities, and they're still stealing bases. Like, what? Won their games the other day. They, like, set the franchise record for steals and still, like, got shut out in the game or still was able to barely score any runs in the game. Like, the D-backs are still wreaking havoc on the bases on time at, at times and still getting runners into scoring position, but it doesn't matter because these guys are not capitalizing at the plate. And if you look at the D-backs' offensive ranks right now, like they're pretty much middle of the pack in everything, OPS, average, like run scored. Like the D-backs are just falling 
lower and lower in these offensive ranks and categories. And their offense was one of the strongest calling cards of this team the whole year. And they need to get back on track, I think, in that area more than anything. Uh, I think there can be times where maybe the pitching staff gives up five, six, seven runs. But I think this offense has enough pieces and, and enough players to win the slugfest in the second half of the season and it's summertime in arizona like the ball should be flying out the ballpark when the roof is open which is you know occasionally it's not always open but this d-backs team i still think has a pretty deep lineup i don't think it's a lineup loaded with superstars but i think there's a lot of quality players in this lineup and you just go up and down um, in the month of August, what these players are doing, like Carson Kelly's having a really nice month of August. So is the Lord's Gurriel. And then after that, it's really bleak. Like the third best OPS on this team in the month of August is Alec Thomas with 764. But he only has a 235 average. Jake McCarthy has a 294 average, but only a 694 OPS with no doubles, triples, or home runs this month. Christian Walker, 286 average, but only a 679 OPS. Only one home run, no doubles, no triples. And that's really the biggest issue, I think, for this D-backs team over the last, you know, especially in the month of August. I think the extra base hits really outside of home runs has been the biggest issue. Like, the D-backs have had a few home runs this month, but... There's barely been any doubles. There's barely been any triples. And that's what the D-backs were really feasting on in the first half of the season because they were never a big home run team, but they were always a team that just had so much gap power. And with their speed, a lot of those balls that were just down the line, singles for other players were doubles and triples for this D-backs team. And now it's like they're not even getting those kind of plays. It felt like it feels like they are getting some unfortunate luck with some of, you know, where the ball's dropping at times. But this D-backs offense has to get back on track. Corbin Carroll needs to heat up. Ketel Marte needs to heat up. Like, if you look at his numbers in the month of August, Ketel Marte is 3 for 28 in the month of August after, you know, pre post-All-Star break, but pre-August, Ketel Marte was hot once again caliente was on fire for this d-back team now he's cold again it feels like there's not enough players on this d-back team right now getting hot at the same time it's like i just said ketel Marte was hot now he's cold in the month of august but we saw lords guriel really cold in the month of july now he's hot again we need a few of these guys to get hot at the same time and really if you just get like three or four if you tell me walker Marte. Carol and like Guriel all get hot at the same time. Like those four players are definitely enough to carry an offense. And then you get guys like Jacob McCarthy and Alec Thomas wreaking havoc with speed on the bases. D-backs offense needs to get back on track if they want to make up any ground in this wild card race. Because as it currently stands, they're a couple games back of a wild card spot. Their offense is looking bad, and because of it, they are free falling in the standings. Now I want to talk to you guys about. The potential playoff tiebreakers coming down the stretch for the rest of the season. But before we get there, we need to talk about this first. Don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the series xm app and search up diamondbacks all right all right all right let's get back into the lock on diamondbacks podcast and let's discuss potential playoff tiebreakers for the d-backs for the rest of the season because this nl wildcard race is of course incredibly tight as we see it and 
there's no longer going to be for playoff tiebreakers, there's no longer going to be a game 163 where you just decide the tiebreaker by playing one extra game in the regular season. No. The first default now for playoff tiebreakers is going to be head-to-head record, which I think is probably the most fair stat they can use for a playoff tiebreaker. So when you look at this NL wildcard race, the D-backs are stacking up against the Milwaukee Brewers, the San Francisco Giants, the Miami Marlins, the San Diego Padres, the Cincinnati Reds, and the Chicago Cubs. And their records against each team, the D-backs are 4-2 and two against the Brewers. They're 5-6 and six against the Giants. They're 2-4 and four against the Marlins, 2-4 and four against the Padres, 0-3 oh against the Reds, and 0-0 zero and zero against, the, against the Chicago Cubs. The D-backs currently do not have any games against the Brewers or Marlins. The D-backs have done a really good job against the Milwaukee Brewers this year. I think on paper, the Brewers just aren't that good of a team. I think they're going to be the team that probably wins the NL Central, but I never thought they were like super dominant or anything. Saw the D-backs play the Brewers a couple times this season. Um, Those were good series. D-backs, I think, were just a better team than the Brewers. The Marlins... I felt like the D-backs were better than the Marlins anytime they played each other this year, but the Marlins somehow just had the D-backs number and really just played really good baseball against the D-backs the whole season. Even though they played the D-backs when the D-backs were the best uh, versions of themselves, because I think at the time, I don't think the D-backs lost their first series of the year until they played the Marlins. I think the D-backs first two, the, the D-backs two of their first three series that they lost, I think two of them came against the Miami Marlins. So even when the D-backs were riding high and winning one, uh, winning like every game it felt like, the Miami Marlins were the only team that was, um, the, the, the Marlins were pretty much the only team that was a thorn in the D-backs side at that time. So, um, can't hate them, can't hate on them at all. And the D-backs are not going to take the tiebreaker over the Marlins, unfortunately, because there's no games between those two, but still two games remaining against the Giants. The D-backs were owned by the Giants in this most recent series that they played, but two games left against them means that the D-backs own their destiny against the Giants. And if you go 2-0, that makes you 7-6 and against the Giants on the year. They got seven games left against the Padres. At 2-4 and four against the Padres, if you go five out of seven in those games, now you are seven and six against the Padres. So you have to win at least five and seven against the Padres to have a winning record against the Padres. You still got seven ga- seven games against the Cubs as well. So just take four out of seven games there against the Cubs. And then you still got four games against the Reds. So even though you're 0-3 against the Reds, you're going to have to win all four of those games against the Reds to have a winning series against them. So it's still in play for the D-backs when you look at the wildcard teams ahead of them. It's still in play for the D-backs to have a winning record against the Brewers, which is locked in, the Giants, the Padres, the Reds, and the Chicago Cubs. So the only team that the D-backs can't have a winning record against in this wildcard race is the Miami Marlins, who have the second worst record in Major League Baseball post all-star break so that's at least some saving grace for this d-backs team when you look at the rest of the wild card race and you see um the teams that are struggling uh the miami marlins are the team that's struggling the most in that wild card race ahead of the d-backs they're also the team that has the only locked in playoff tiebreaker against the d-backs so if you want a little silver lining for the rest of the season as we've been saying a lot on this podcast like the D-backs only need to have one solid week to really feel like you're back in this race because at the time of us recording this podcast the D-backs were one game below 500 
but they're also just two and a half games back of the Miami Marlins. So if the D-backs have one good week and we know they're about to play the San Diego Padres, like you play good against the Padres. Of course, I just said the D-backs need to win five of the next seven games against the Padres. But at least for this weekend series, the D-backs are going to have a three-game series against the Padres. Let's just say hypothetically, best case scenario, the D-backs sweep that series. You sweep that series against the Padres, all of a sudden, you might just be a game back, a half game back of that wild card spot. And you might be feeling good. And then you got the Rockies right after that. Then the Padres again. Like you, from August 11th to August 20th, you play the Padres twice and the Colorado Rockies. You just do good. And those three series, you win, I don't know, that's three four, seven, plus another three games. That's 10 games. You win seven of those 10 games in that stretch, you're right back in this wild card race and you're convincing yourself that this whole segment I just did with Mike Hayes and Tori Lovello, should they be fired? Maybe you just throw it all out because all of a sudden the D-backs are looking good once again. Um, Like, that's why I'm like, I, I don't know how invested I should still feel in this D-backs team the rest of the season. I don't know how much emotional investment I still want to put in this D-backs team the rest of the season because this, the watching this team just post-All-Star break has just been so tough. And it's like, the worst thing that's going to happen is that the D-backs just keep you within one game of the playoffs. Week after week, you're going to be like three games out um, of the season finale. Let me, let me better phrase that. You're going to be one game out of the playoffs with three games left. You're going to have to go into a series against the Houston Astros in late September because that's the last series for the D-backs is against the Houston Astros. So your playoff potential, your playoff hopes could be on the line against the most dominant team we've ever seen over the last decade when it comes to September, October baseball, I'm not going to feel very good or confident that the D-backs are going to win that series and push themselves into the postseason. But if the D-backs at least win seven of their next 10 games against the Padres and Colorado Rockies, the D-backs will at least firmly put themselves back in the wild card mix and the D-backs kind of own their destiny kind of own their destiny because of, like I said outside the Marlins every other wild card team the D-backs quite literally own the destiny if they want to have a winning record against those guys so as pessimistic as I feel about this D-backs team the rest of the season it's not over D-backs are still technically in the wild card race and because of that we're going to have to watch every game until the season ends now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back to uh, come back next week for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.